who I was talking about, who was raised in the, in the holiness Pentecostal church. And she said, even there, it's never the Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, which the Holy Ghost is even more like as a Jewish kid, I ever heard the Holy Ghost, I was like, these people really are weird. They, wor- they have a ghost that they worship, and he's holy? But now we understand a little bit more of the context. That was, uh, that was a good old-fashioned King James translation, I think, of the word that in Latin, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what it is now, spiritus, spiritus, which means like a spirit, and it can mean a wind, and it can mean a lot of the things that it means in Hebrew, but it's just kind of strange, spirit and ghost. So we go with this term, ruach, which means spirit. No, just kidding. It, it, has, it means a lot. It means breath. It means, it means more than what you can communicate in English, right? And the Spirit has been present, and we've been talking about the Spirit. The Spirit was present at creation. The Spirit has been present with us. Thank God it's still alive and well today as we have sung today, even sensing that just beautiful presence of God. But I made this promise that in this bit of an unsettling journey for some maybe, maybe not so many in this congregation, but maybe some people listening, I haven't had any real hate mail or horrible feedback about anything, so that's probably okay. But we've been on this journey to, to, to look at the modern state of the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach, and we've talked along the way about what the Spirit is not, what we don't do with the Spirit, right? How the Spirit does not work. But the question last week was, do you know what the Ruach HaKodesh really actually does do? Or in our Messianic Jewish context, we've asked, what would it look like if the Spirit, uh, the Ruach HaKodesh is moving? Or most simply, where, Epho, does the Spirit lead us? Where are we supposed to go? Somebody who has a Bible, bring me one, please, because once again, I left mine in my desk, and I need it. But <clears throat> this answer I told you, and this was the promise I made to you last week. Thank you. I said that the promise, the, that the answer is in this book. The answer to every one of those questions is in this book. And not just the book of Acts, not just Corinthians where Paul talks about the Spirit, not just in Romans where the Spirit is mentioned or Ephesians, not just in the apostolic scriptures. This book has the answers going back to the beginning. In the Tanakh, the Torah, the in of Tanakh, the Nevi'im, the prophets, the Ketuvim, the Psalms, the Tanakh that talks about the Ruach HaKodesh. It's not just a New Testament thing. So if we want the answer, just like everything else we know in Messianic Judaism, that this is not the whole Bible, that the rest of it matters. And so I mentioned last week the Stottism. We talked about John Stott. And he said, and I think it's such a valuable thing, the will of God for the people is in the Word of God. 
And we've talked along the way about some of the interpretations of the Word of God and how truth is very difficult to define necessarily when we can't have a perfect picture of God's truth because man is involved in that. But this is not a profound mystery. How the Spirit works, what the Spirit leads to, what it should look like, it's not really a mystery because the Bible talks about it. Judaism talks about it. And there's a key point that's found in maybe an overlooked place to focus our attention on the Spirit. And it is in all places of Luke 20, in Luke 22, before the Spirit's been given, at a very famous meal that took place, there was no chametz there. It was called the Last Supper. And Yeshua took a cup And he raised that cup and he said something in Luke 22, 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Yeshua inaugurated. You know what that word means. It doesn't mean completed. It doesn't mean finished. It means things got started. Yeshua inaugurated the new covenant that night in his blood, which was, well, that's what he was saying he was going to do. And that's exactly what he did. And he inaugurated it. Now, as we've discussed before, that does not mean that the new covenant is in full effect. Why? Why is the new covenant not in full effect? There's an answer for that, of course. And we can look directly to the Bible to find this answer. Where would you go if you were looking for answers about the new covenant in the Bible? Just shout one out for me. Ezekiel, good one. Where else? What, what is the new covenant text? Right. So that's where we'll go. How's that for a deal? Jeremiah 31, 31. There's a lot of important things that are said before we jump to 31, but let's do that. Here, the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will make a brit chadashah a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by their hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt because they, for their part, violated my covenant, even though I, for my part, was a husband to them, says Adonai. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. Are you ready? He's just told us what it is. He's told us it's coming and he's getting ready to tell us what it is. And he says... And I have this in Microsoft Word. I was working in another program and I translated it, transferred it over to Microsoft Word and it took the backwards Hebrew and wrote it back around the other way. So if it's not already difficult enough to read it backwards, now I have to read backwards backwards to try to make this make sense. This says, when he's saying this in verse 32, for this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those, these, those days, says Adonai. He says, and it's about the size of a pinhead as well. He says, Natati et Torati. Hear that word? Do you hear that word? Natati Torati, he says. And he says, V'al libam bekirbam. What in the world? He says, I will put my Torah within them and I will write it on their hearts. What is the significance of that? Well, the significance is lost 
for most people. The new covenant centers on God putting his Torah T, Torah T, that means my teaching, my Torah in their inmost being and inscribe it on their hearts. Interestingly, to note in this week's Parsha, have you ever heard Moses talk about the new covenant? Did you know the new covenant is in our portion this week? It is because Moses says this as he testifies to it. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or hear. And next week's Parsha, just prior to Rosh Hashanah, which begins the next day, the Lord your God, Moses says, will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. This is in the Torah. And the subheadings say the renewal of the covenant. Moses, new covenant. Jeremiah, new covenant. When will that happen, Moses? When will that happen? Jeremiah told us when. No longer will they need to teach one another and say to one another, heed the Lord for all of them from the least of them to the greatest shall heed me, declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sins no more. When will that happen? That happens when Yeshua comes, takes the cup and says, I'm beginning the new covenant. And he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does it look like? It looks like they will know me. They will repent. They will receive my word. They will be sanctified and they will be the people of God. That's what the new covenant looks like. But how will that happen? You ready for the answer? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute now. Pentecostalism is in the Torah? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is found in Ezekiel. Not the way that it has been described in the 1900s and going forward. This is what the Torah, the Tanakh, says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You ready? Ezekiel. Who said Ezekiel for New Covenant texts? Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37. In Ezekiel 36, 25 and following, he prophesies of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your fetishes. Immersion, he's speaking of. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. And there's that Moshe heart thing. But what spirit are you going to give us, God, according to Ezekiel? There's 570 plus mentions of the spirit in the Tanakh. Some of them I don't want. Evil spirits, unclean spirits, the spirit of man. Which spirit are you going to give me, Ezekiel speaking for God? At verse 27 continues, I will put my spirit into you, not just any, mine. That's what we want. That's what we're talking about. That's what it looks like when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Confusing, right? It's not. And here it comes, brothers and sisters. What is the spirit leading us to? Once we have it, 
Once we've gone through this process and we've repented and, and he's sprinkled us and the spirit is within us because not any spirit, God's spirit, what is it leading to? The gifts, right? Performing miracles, speaking in tongues, prophesying, raising the dead. Verse 27 in Ezekiel has the answer. Are you ready? Thus I will cause you to follow my laws and faithfully obey my rules. My mishpatim, my hokim, the words that are in the Torah to describe God's instruction that the Spirit will lead us to follow. It's in the book. Is that the only spirit? Is that the only purpose of the Ruach HaKodesh? No, it's not. There are other things that the Holy Spirit leads us into, which include the gifts, which include even temporary fillings of awesome power like like uh, 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 Samson had, or Bezalel to create the tabernacle, or Moses when he passed it off onto the elders. There are amazing things that the Spirit does, but when we look at this, the Spirit of God is leading us to understand and follow the Word of God. Miraculous. That is its primary understanding in a Jewish context and the purpose of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is leading you to the Torah. The instruction of a loving God who loves his children, knows what's best, desires to bless you, who has taken the time, the energy, the emotion, the horrible, horrible, tragic death of Messiah so that he could inaugurate this new covenant and begin to transform your heart and give you a new one where you don't have to ask Sam Trailer to interpret the Torah or David Higginbotham because you will know it by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And the Spirit leads us in understanding. The Holy Spirit leads us to sanctification and truth. But that's not the new covenant, Damien. Spirit, the Spirit's free in the new covenant. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the gifts are flowing. Fun stuff like handkerchiefs that people prayed over and you get healed by touching them. Which I've actually seen sold on Christian TV. Brother, Brother Nathaniel has prayed over these and anointed these with oil and for the generous gift of $150, you can have a healing cloth because that worked for Paul in Acts and so surely you can claim that promise too. Psst, don't send your $150 to Brother Nathaniel. Slain in the Spirit, that's what the new covenant, look, baptism of the Spirit, that good old modern interpretation. Ezekiel continues to tell us what the new covenant looks like. You ready? Move from 36 to 37. My servant David shall be king over them. There shall be one shepherd of them all. They shall follow my rules and faithfully obey my laws. Thus shall they, they remain in the land which I gave my servant Jacob, in which your fathers dwelt, they and their children, and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And my servant David as their prince for all time. I got news for you. David's long gone by the time Ezekiel's writing this. Who is my servant David? The king of Israel, Mashiach, and he has a name. And his name is Yeshua. 
And this is what it looks like when the new covenant is, is really operating and the Spirit is there and Yeshua's there. Yeshua's words, he says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me, but he says, you'll obey my commandments. So in the absolute irony of the ages, you ready? In the strangest and most ironic turn of events, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to receive the gift of the Ruach, the evidence is not speaking in tongues, it's walking in Torah. Now go preach that on Azusa Street. Because that's really difficult. Because Paul says this and Paul says that. Well, I understand what Paul says. The evidence of the baptism is not tongues, but the evidence would be Torah observance. And who would be right at the center of telling you how to do that? Messiah Yeshua, the, the, the son of David. My servant David, who's Yeshua. But there's something more fundamental than that. The Spirit is a sign. The Spirit has been given as a sign according to 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. Now he who establishes with he who establishes us with you in Messiah and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The Spirit is a promise of things to come. It is a pledge. It is a promise from God's. But more relevant even are Yeshua's words. We can talk about Paul in a second, but let's look at Yeshua's words, who gave the Spirit, who died that we might have it, who probably knows quite a bit about how it works. Read John 14 if you want him to give you an explanation. We will right now. More of Yeshua's words, relevant. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. What did Yeshua say to you? Well, I'll tell you what he said. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but whose? The Father who sent me. What did Yeshua teach? He taught the Mishpatim. He taught the Chukot. He taught the, the, the Chukot. Chukot. He taught the Torah. He taught the words that his father told him to say. Right? There's no denying that. He said it. He taught us Torah. But there's something very, 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 very particular that Yeshua taught us all over the Torah. One word that supersedes every other teaching he gave. What is the one thing that takes precedent in Yeshua's teaching on Torah? Ahava. Love. Love. The Spirit of God leads us to love. Yeshua's teaching, everything else hangs on what we're kind of big fans of around here, loving God and loving each other. Everything else hangs on that, including the gifts of the Spirit. Everything is secondary to love. Even Torah is a result. 
how we walk, how we live, how our, our life as children of God looks, that we learn through the Torah, that is based on how we love God. And the Torah teaches us to love each other. And the Spirit is leading us in all these things. These are the words that are in the book of the Father, of our Messiah, our Rabbi, our perfect example. There is a Galatians 5 chapter. There's a book called Galatians and it has a fifth chapter. And this is what its subheading says, life in the Spirit. This should be good for us. We should, we should want to know what this says. What does it say? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So Paul goes on to say, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There it is, Rabbi! Don't bring that law teaching to me! Says it right there. I have the Spirit. I am not under the law. You're right. You're not under the law, but the Spirit's leading you to it. The Spirit is leading you to walk out God's instruction to love Him and to love others. And James says, don't merely listen to the Word, so deceive yourselves. Do it. Do it. Anyone who says, uh, uh, who, who, who's who listens and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. See all these connected terms? Spirit, law, freedom. Messianic Jewish scholar Carl Kinbar says this, the Torah cannot be fulfilled as God intends apart from the Spirit of God. We need the Ruach HaKodesh. The new covenant, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it all hangs on this. And someone says right now, or five minutes ago when I said love, they're saying, I cannot believe this guy. Another message we have to hear about loving each other. Dude, get deep. Take me somewhere. Take me somewhere beyond the, the surface of the, of the ocean. I'm sorry. That's what it says. That's what it says. That's wrong, Damien. Paul says we should eagerly seek the gifts. He does say that. He says that at the end of 1 Corinthians 12. And it reads something like this. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. You're right, he does say that. And then he goes on to chapter 13. And what does 13 say? Anyone remember? You ever been to a Christian wedding? There's about a 99% chance that you've heard Corinthians, Corinthians 13 at every wedding you ever went to because why? Love is patient. You didn't hear it at my kid's Jewish wedding, but it doesn't mean I don't like it or think it's true. But Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 13 after just saying, now eagerly seek the greater gifts, he says, love. 
but love surpasses them all. He quote, I'll quote him and say, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong, clashing, clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, if I am nothing, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love never fails, he says, but there, where there are prophecies, gifts of the Spirit, that's the one we should seek above all, it'll, it'll end. They will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And now, these three remain, and what are they? Faith, hope, and love. Good album by a band called King's X. Better, better Bible teaching. Faith, hope, and love. Are we surprised that the Spirit of God, that the Mashiach, that the Word of God will ultimately lead us to love? But that doesn't help us, Damien. You gave promises here. You told us we're going to talk about what it looks like and how we're to operate in the gifts, and that doesn't answer it, or does it? Chapter 14 follows after 13. See, it goes like this, 12, 13, 14. Although there really were no numbers to begin with, but it helps us Westerners. Chapter 14, this is the section on how you operate in the spiritual gifts. And how does it start? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. The Torah teaches us to love. And as a product of our love, our obedience, our sanctification in the Word, our spirit, our, our continued filling of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is an ongoing process, ongoing happening, you will be sanctified and two things are birthed. Fruit and gifts. Stick with me. Let me get you out of this. But this is important. Fruit and gifts. Back to Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is, who can sing the song? Right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Or I missed one. But there's some gifts there. Let me make you an admittedly cheesy example for a point, though. You ready for this? If I want to give you a gift, if I want to give you a homemade apple pie that I have, I have grown this tree and I have, I have watched it and I've nurtured it and I've cared for it, and I want to give you a gift of a homemade apple pie with apples from my tree, What may I ask is the most important thing I will need to make you this apple pie? Apples, thank you, Annabelle. She's not afraid to answer me because I trick her all the time and she's used to it, right? With trick questions. Apples, if I'm going to make you an apple pie, I would like to have some apples to put in them because an apple pie without them is not much of a gift. I like pie crust, but I'd prefer apples. And here is my point. 
We cannot separate the gifts from the fruits. We cannot separate the fruit from the tree, the Eitz Chaim. What is the Eitz Chaim? It is the tree of life. And what is the tree of life? It is the Torah of God. We have a religious culture where gifts have been separated from the tree. Carl Kinbar's statement again, the Torah cannot be fulfilled as God intends apart from the Spirit of God, and neither can we function in a healthy way, the intended way, operating in the gifts without the Spirit writing Torah on our hearts. 1 Corinthians 12, love dictates the use of the gifts because why? Why is love the most important thing when it has to operate in the spiritual gifts? Because Corinthians says they are all for the common good. They are not a showcase. They are not a commodity. They are not something you peddle on Christian television or rile up everybody into something and send them out helpless into a world with no foundation of the Bible. The spirit and the gifts are for the common good. They can be poured out in a genuine way. And serving the common good will lead you back somewhere. Do you know where? To the Torah and to God. And this is what this looks like. You ready? The Spirit leads to Torah. The Torah leads us to love. Love is the primary fruit of the Spirit. And when we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit can be poured out for the common good. And serving the common good leads us back to Torah and love and spirit and Messiah and a picture of the coming kingdom. And now back to Azusa Street. And we end here. I've told you several times that I believe wholeheartedly that there are very legitimate outpourings of God's Ruach HaKodesh through the ages, including in 1906 on Azusa Street. When I read 1 Corinthians 12 about each possessing unique gifts of the Spirit and them being for the common good, I get a real picture of what a healthy body looks like. Everybody has individual gifts and we operate as a body, different body parts, and no one complains that I don't have this or I don't have this, and everyone's not gonna have this or that, which is a strange concept that as a side note, that if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by speaking in tongues, but yet the Bible says not everyone's gonna have this gift, that means I can't have the Holy Spirit? But that 1 Corinthians 12 chapter is telling us and giving us this perfect picture about what it looks like when a healthy body is in action and the gifts are flowing and Paul gives order and he does all these great things in 14. I read this about Azusa Street. Listen to this. The movement was racially egalitarian. Blacks and whites worshiped together at the same altar against the normal segregation of the day. William Seymour, 
claimed that the Holy Spirit was bringing people together across all social lines and boundaries to the revival. He not only rejected the existing racial barriers in favor of the unity and Messiah, but he also rejected the then almost universal barriers to women in any form of church teaching or leadership. Latinos soon began attending as well after a Mexican-American worker received the Holy Spirit on April 13, 1906. What does that sound like? I am transported from Azusa Street immediately to the book of Acts. Where the, where the nations had gathered and the Spirit was poured out in a fantastic, world-changing way. And tongues were associated with it. And people heard the Word of God. They heard the Torah. They were drawn to the Torah. Cornelius, the, the eunuch who's reading Isaiah, what is the Spirit doing for them but drawing them into Israel, drawing them into to the people of God, and they are becoming the people of God. But it's, it's diversity. And I'm reminded as I read that about this this. this, this Revival that took place there. Not because of miracles or tongues, but because of unity and love. And I believe that the trajectory of that movement had, in, had it included embracing the Word of God as the new covenant instructs us to study and learn and know the Word and walk it out. Even Torah even law, even mishpot, even ordinances. Yeah, the things God gave you to help you and keep you healthy and the things that Yeshua taught. Yeah, those things. If those had been a part of this, embracing the Torah as revealed by the Spirit and Messiah, that there were amazing foundation-shaking things that were going to happen, but they did not. The foundation was shaken, but not necessarily in a good way. And we spent the last few weeks talking about that. First of all, because the word of God was not the measure of truth. Secondly, the love, the fruit, that was abandoned. The love and the fruit was abandoned in favor of the commodity of the Ruach HaKodesh. Think back, Simon, chapter 8, book of Acts. Ooh. That looks like I could benefit from what that Holy Spirit thing does. And so also the unity disintegrated. Racial battles erupted. William Seymour, the founder of this movement, this Azusa Street Revival, he wouldn't let any white people serve in any leadership after a while. Why? Because they probably treated him like crap. And because all the segregation and all the hatred of racial divide and the lack of unity moved on back in there because, as Yeshua says, if you clear out a space and you don't fill it with something good, what do you invite in? Worse. And so we had worse that came because this book was not foundational. And I mean the front part of it as well as the back part of it. And the power of the Spirit was reduced to a commodity peddled on altars and platforms across the world every single 
Sunday or Saturday or whenever you're doing it or on whoever's satellite you can get on to peddle it like Simon the Magician. That's not what the Spirit does. I've told you what it looks like. There is a new revival that is in our midst. There is a new revival, an awakening among Israel and the nations. The nations are represented in this room. The nations are represented in, in, in the Torah club conversations that I have with hundreds of people across the country and across the world. There is an awakening that's going on among Israel and the nations. And I believe it, people. I'm not just saying this to try to preach well or keep you, like, excited. I believe this in my heart. There is a revival and mighty moves of God and His Spirit in our Messianic synagogues. If we step back and evaluate what it is that we are actually looking for and what the Bible tells us and what it means for us today, not Acts, that was for them, not Azusa Street, I don't know what that was. For us and for the coming kingdom and for the word of God and for the Torah and for Messiah, we are positioned to be a light to the nations and to remind everyone of what the new covenant actually is and what these prophets said and what this book means and what it looks like when you live it out and when you love each other. And the whole thing, and everywhere I've always intended, and thank God, God showed me this and I get to stay on the path. Everything about what I'm saying depends and starts in you. And that is the season that we have arrived at, my friends. This is the season and has been up until now and will go into full bloom next week as we enter the high holidays. We need to look inward. We need to open ourselves up and we need to allow the Spirit of God to reveal and speak to us in these days ahead. And I am begging you, begging you, to seek God like you have not before. I don't care if you've participated in the high holidays for 50 years. There is something happening in the world right now. And we are positioned by God to participate in that. And part of our love and our pursuit of God and our way of walking out Torah will result in things that we cannot even comprehend. And God willing, we will raise the dead. And as I've said, God willing, someone will hear us speaking English, but it's actually Taiwanese. And they come in and say, tell me about it. And all of those things, they'll happen, but they start with us. And that starts now. And that starts for the next 10 days of the high holidays. So I am begging you and I am inviting you to meet the king in the field and let's learn and let's open and let's invite the Ruach HaKodesh to perform what he wants to do in our midst. Amen? Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.